Hello again, and welcome to EG's Voice of the Region Capital Edition with me, Jim Larkin. Uh, it's everything you know and love about a regular Voice of the Region, only this time we're focused on a particular part of London. And I'm excited to say that this time we're off to the converted warehouses and the beautiful people who make up City Fringe. Uh, it's a market that's matured from being a launchpad to the pioneering independence to being home to some of the world's leading technology and creative corporations. But crucially, it's a market that has been very much ahead of the curve in realising that offices have to be much more than a space for a desk if they're to attract the best occupiers, which is something the rest of the country is learning as we emerge from the pandemic and landlords are being forced to rethink their offering. So what do people want from an office in 2022? And what can the City Fringe teach the UK's wider real estate community? Well, to help answer that, I'm very pleased to be joined by Ollie Cohen, who is a partner at City Fringe specialist, Belcor. Ollie, uh... Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, how are you? Pleasure. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not bad at all. Thank you. Um, right. Um, let's start with a bit of history. Um, the conventional narrative about City Fringe, at least to a country bumpkin like me, um, is that it wasn't that long ago that it wasn't exactly a no-go area, but it's not a place you'd go looking for grey day offices because um, it was all a bit post-industrial and not entirely recovered from the war. Um, then at some point in the 80s, a load of artists moved in, um, became incredibly fashionable, and all of a sudden every tech and creative company in the land wanted to be based there. Um, I <laughs> I imagine there might be slightly more to it than that. Uh, what am I missing? Good, good question. <laughs> uh, the the city fringe has, has massively changed. Actually, even in the the last ten to twelve years, I uh, first started uh, working in around Shoreditch in two thousand and twelve. It was just at the time when uh, the Olympics was was kicking off, and that was actually really the the kind of big push of, of regeneration uh, and looking in 2012 when we're looking at a lot of these eastern city fringe areas they were they were very cool but still had quite a raw kind of rough feel about them mm. um, and at that stage we we're getting a lot of the kind of cool quirky independents coming in who saw the creativity and the diversity of the the city fringe which is always been its main attraction um but there then came a, a a real change point actually after the olympics going kind of from 2012 to 15 where the area really transformed into that that next step you started getting a lot of the the grown-up companies coming in so we started doing multinational deals with uh with pret with costa coffee uh, all the big operators and that that was really the big sign that uh the big change was on the on the horizon um and we really saw from then it then really kicked off one in terms of the the retailers who who were coming in but that then followed with a lot more grown up uh office occupiers entering the city fringe uh so that was that was a real real transformation moment and then that's just really developed on and on uh, from 2015, really, to, to now. I think the area has just grown and grown and grown. Um, and it's probably got to the stage where it is now the most sought after location for creative occupiers, but also as well for, for retailers and restaurateurs. I think everyone wants to try and have a footprint in the, in the city fringe. And it's really for a lot of these companies about being seen to be having quite a cool presence 
as well as the the trading figures i think for a lot of the retailers and restaurateurs they almost need a base in the city fringe to know they have that cool aspect to their business because naturally here the the demographic is young you know there's a lot of 20 to 35 year olds and it's always been the core pillar the city fringe of of creativity so when you've got companies in here your your adidas's and your nikes uh, part of what they're doing the city fringe is a lot more their edgy part of their their brand okay um now Belcourt uh, came along in 2009. Um, formerly, you were called uh, Belchak Corin & Co until you rebranded in March of this year as Belcourt. Um, was that just a case of wanting a snappier name or was it part of a more fundamental change of direction? No, so the, the key for us was really aligning both with the occupiers that we have in the Eastern City Fringe, but also with the the locations that we deal in they're very cool creative areas and we really wanted the brand to be seen in the same way you know we're very fortunate that we deal with best in class space really cool warehouse buildings and we want both landlords but also occupiers as well not to see us as a, a typical kind of suits and boots property company I think the the way we deal with spaces and market spaces, we want to stand out from the crowd and, and be different. We've got a really key focus here on uh, the way we market spaces, being very visual, image-led, with a big key on social. Um, we do a lot of videography, and the key for us is to try and market our client spaces in a different way to anything that's being done on the market. Um, so we shoot a lot of professional high-end videography that makes these wow buildings stand out and presents them in the best way possible. For us, when we were Belchat, Corin & Co, we had built an amazing name on our trust and credibility. Uh, and our kind of mantra was we were the, the voice of East London. But as time's moved on and our workforce has definitely got younger, it's in the main, our agency team is between 25 and 30. The, the real key for us was to be seen as a, a young, trendy, cool outfit in the city fringe. And we want your creative occupiers, your media occupiers to almost look at us in, in the same way they, they see themselves as a, a cool creative outfit who are being innovative who are uh trying to market in a new and different way and almost being ahead of a lot of the trends um and the city fringe is all about innovation and it's all about being ahead of the curve and that is what us as a company are focusing on how can we do things differently how can we market property in a way that has, has never been has never been done before so that's our key focus that was the main reason for the for the rebrand uh, and it's produced amazing results for us and i think a lot of the companies out there are now seeing that we're very aligned to the type of really cool properties we deal with and hopefully are being seen as a, a really cool uh, young outfit Okay. Um, and you mentioned um, earlier that you came aboard about 10 years ago. Um, had you always wanted to work in this particular market or did, you know, the opportunity just open up? Um, no, is the, <laughs> the straight answer. I'm not sure I ever actually saw myself in property. Uh, I was actually doing media sales beforehand, uh, which was very strong on the sales side, a lot of 
painful calling a lot of rejection <laughs> and then um this stumbled upon by chance so uh, the company that paul used to work for is actually um a company called tarn and tarn and then paul then went and started paul bell track and co and uh the ex-founder of Tarn and Tarn became our landlord. Uh, so there were some connections there. And then I came to meet Paul in, in 2012. Uh, and actually, really, aside from property, just fell in love with the area. Uh, the great thing about Spitzfields and Shoreditch is every single time you walk the street, there's always something different going on. Uh, you know, for me, I'm, I'm entrepreneurial by nature and I love the creativity and diversity of the area. So I think that was my main attraction. I got a really clear sense that when you look at Spitzfields and Shoreditch, they're so close to the city, you could really feel the way that things were going to transform. And it's taken time to get there into for Shoreditch and Spitzfields to kind of be the powerhouses that they are today and kind of recognized as the uh, number one place for tech and media occupiers. But but for me, it was just a real love with with the area that got me into it. Excellent. OK. Um, and also, you're currently in fifth place in the radius rankings for City Fringe, um, which puts you ahead of all but one of the national firms. Um, what do you feel you're getting right um and what can a, a local specialist do that, that a larger firm perhaps can't yeah it's a great question i we've always had the mantra here that as a a young niche firm you have to be really hungry extremely focused and i feel that's where we've we've made our name for ourselves is providing a really high quality and, and personal service to our clients i like to think that every client we have will always say about us that we are very very on it very focused but also extremely proactive and i think as part of being on the ground here we can get one have a really good understanding of occupiers who are in the area and what those occupiers are looking for but two we're really ahead and uh, of the trends that we're seeing in the area and i think we can use that on the ground advice to then advise clients ahead of time you know we we a couple of years ago pre-pandemic were we felt ahead of our time in advising all our clients to move to trying to fit their spaces because that's the way we saw the trend going and that's definitely been accelerated through the pandemic and now we feel we're almost ahead of our time as well and now all these spaces are fitted we're saying to our clients actually what you need to do is go one step further and try and make your space stand out from the crowd be unique dress it so i think the main differentiation is as a niche agency, we, we know we have to kind of eat what we kill. We have to be very hungry. We've got to be very uh, focused on the ground on every instruction. So it's just a very different mentality from from a corporate structure who are perhaps a bit more relaxed in their in their nature. Um, now, um, real estate is not always the most glamorous of industries, um, but you've negotiated deals with the likes of um, Gucci and Beats by Dre and I think David Beckham's eSports brand Guild. Um, does it give you kind of a, a special buzz when you kind of bring high profile companies like that into the area? Yeah, we we love it. Um, <laughs> I think that it it has a real multiple 
effect as well, a bit of a domino effect. So we know on the back of doing these deals, it's only going to enhance the area as a whole and make the whole area more attractive. So it, it's sort of a double win for us. Yes, we're putting amazing multinational or landmark brands into Spitzville Shoreditch or or further into Eastern City Fringe, but we're also, as part of that, developing the area, making it more attractive, which in turn brings up the whole area, you know, it makes office spaces more desirable, makes more retailers and restaurants, uh, restaurateurs want to come in. So we love dealing with, with those big names, but we also love the effect that it has on, on the location. <clears throat> Yeah, sure. Okay. I mean, how do negotiations on deals like that compare with, say, you know, inverted commas, normal companies? I mean, like, if you're dealing with Gucci or Beats, have you got to be able to make convincing small talk about, you know, high-end fashion and whoever the coolest new bands are? <laughs> if bands are no, I, you know what? I, I've always said that, for me, dealing with the, the bigger entities is it, just so much easier than dealing with with your small companies y- usually the main reason being is when you're you're dealing with the big multinationals is the the people you're dealing with are, it's not as personal to them they're slightly more removed from it they tend to have much bigger budgets mm. so like all deals more often than not they come down to money and finances <laughs> and when you're dealing with the, the big multinationals they're prepared if there's a few sticking points in the deal just to chuck more money at it you know and that, mm. that often is the answer to every problem and then you flip the coin and when we're dealing with the smaller end of the spectrum the 500 to 1000 square foot spaces and you start getting to a few sticking points where the deal may be falling apart over what is the equivalent of 5 10 15000 you realize those deals are much more tricky so actually, it's it, it for me, the biggest pleasure is working with these these big occupiers who their whole, uh, they're, they're just fully optimizing to make sure they get into the area and get into the right building. Uh, and I don't want to say money is no object for them, but, you know, when dealing with the likes of Beats and Gucci, they, they made it very, very clear for us that money isn't the driver here. They just want the best building in Shoreditch. And nobody knows this area like we do. I think our, our one of our biggest USPs is, especially from Paul, who knows almost every single landlord across Shoreditch, we're able, uh, and I suppose what we're able to do for these big multinationals is provide them with the off-market opportunities they wouldn't get from anyone else. And because we're on the ground, we're walking the streets every day. We know what's coming up. We know where there are availabilities that other agents just just wouldn't catch. Sure, good stuff. Okay. Um, now, so I mean, unlike kind of the traditional uh, London office markets, um, City Fringe has got quite a strong residential offering, um, which means you know people can kind of live quite near the office. Um, is that a, a strong selling point? For are you saying from a from an office perspective? Yeah, from an occupier point of view, you know, you might want to you know have an office quite close to where you live rather than do a big old commute. Well, it, it's a good question. And I think what we really found during the pandemic, uh, especially is the areas where which really boomed during the pandemic were was further out in the fringes. So mm. London Fields, Hackney, Hackneywick, Dalston. Uh, and those resi- those areas have big residential catchments and actually a bit more like neighbourhood locations. Mm. And I think what we really saw during the pandemic was people wanted offices near to where they live and actually have a bit more local offices. And during that time, 
we were struggling a lot more in the main core of Spitalfields and Shoreditch. Uh, and there's always been a wave pattern, Jim, which is that when Shoreditch and Spitalfields are struggling, you tend to find the outer fringes, your Hackneys, your London Fields, your Dawsons become really busy. And I think now what we've seen is a return to the city and actually people not being so bothered about traveling a bit further in and being a bit further from where they live. So as a result of that, you've had Spitalfields and Shoreditch really starting to boom again. But I think the fringe areas that were re doing really well during the pandemic have actually started to, to come off a little bit and those areas have become a bit more challenging. Okay. Um, how do office rental figures in City Fringe compare with, say, you know, the city or the West End? I think there's a, a, a massive variation. Uh, we're not achieving the kind of rents that you're getting in, in West End and Soho at the moment where they're doing some deals, uh, you know, 100 quid a foot. We're, we're just not there in, in the city fringe or, or at least in the, the part of the city fringe where we, re, we really focus, which is Spitalfields, Shoreditch and going further east. Uh, the, the top rents really achieved here have been early 70s. Um, we've done some stuff at, in Old Street at early 80s, but that's still some way off what, what they're getting in, in the West End. Um, I think one of the big selling points of the city fringe is supply is is finite. There are a lot. There is a lot more being developed around here, but for the time being, there is a still I'd say a lack of really best in class stock. So probably what we're finding now with this fight to quality that that we're seeing in the market is rents are starting to creep up and up and up on those best of class spaces. Sure. That was going to be my next question, actually, about kind of, you know, the availability of stock and stuff like that. I mean, are there enough potential sites to, to build more developments? There are, and there are uh, things like Bishopsgate, Goodyard, uh, a number of other developments that are underway in the area, but but there's still, still a bit of a way off. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more uh these developments coming to fruition in the next 12 to 18 months uh and that in turn will create probably more of the supply that's needed in the area i still feel personally there's there's quite a bit of shortfall of really top quality space that uh while in shortage you've got a lot of the very cool warehouse buildings uh and trendy converted factories and old heritage buildings you don't for now have as much of the classic kind of grade a top quality space which a lot of stuff that, that the institutions um want to build so I, I think that stuff is probably 12 i say 12 18 24 months away mm, sure i mean do you think it's kind of important for the area that it retains its character of being you know converted warehouse buildings or do you think there's an argument for you know knocking a few of them down and you know making brand new purpose-built offices with, you know, huge floor plates. Yeah, no, I think that uh, that would be, knocking them down would, would definitely be the, the number one way to destroy <laughs> the area and take it into decline. What, what we've always found is the occupiers around here, what they love are offices that don't feel like conventional offices. Mm and they're going into these old school warehouse buildings that have tons of character 
uh, a very interesting, they create an inspiring place to work. And I think that's always been the charm of Spitfires and Shoreditch. We regularly get a lot of cool creative occupiers come to us and say, we want that wow factor office. We want something that doesn't feel like a conventional office space, something that is quirky, something that is unique. Um, and I think it's so integral to the area that it keeps it keeps that because that is the charm of mm. Spitfires, Shoreditch and other areas in, in the fringe. <clears throat> Um, but I, I would say at the same time, there are more and more grown-up companies coming to the area, and I think you're you, you can't replicate warehouse buildings, right? So there is just no doubt about it that new builds will never have the character and historic feel that some of these warehouse buildings have, and I think there are always going to be certain companies who aren't attracted to the warehouse buildings and want that more grown up professional corporate style space. So I think the area needs to end up having both. It, it needs to retain its key uh, characteristics and charm of these great warehouse buildings. But I think that also needs to try and get to that, that next step of having more buildings that are appealing to more kind of professional corporate companies. Sure. OK. Um, now, I mean, looking back over the past couple of years, uh, how bad did things get for offices in the in the darkest days of the pandemic? Um, and at what point did you think, actually, we're probably going to be all right here? Um, there were there were definitely some old God <laughs> moments uh, uh-huh. during the start of the pandemic. One thing we were always confident on in Shoreditch is we, we always felt that people will need office space the office space we never felt was going to die there's too much requirement for collaboration for employee culture that you just can't get from working from home Uh, and i feel we're even more confident because of the areas we knew the way people view offices uh we're gonna it was gonna start to change and actually people don't want your bog standard office anymore people want the office to really be something different something cool something quirky something somewhere for their staff to actually really enjoy going and the the way we see it is that people don't need an an office anymore the office has become much more of a want you know if if people want to now save money they can just work from home and i think that's why we've seen in the market this real change and and flight to quality because the days of people just trying to get a run-of-the-mill gray average office space or trying to save money on the office they're they're just not there anymore and employers now need to do a lot more to try and get their employees to move away from home and into the office space and and the whole core of that has to be that employees need to be excited about going into the offices so to bring back around your question i think we always felt there were so many amazing buildings around here so many great warehouse buildings that it was always going to be an area where you're going to get demand from from occupiers who want really cool office space whereas i think you look at the city core which is has definitely struggled a lot more it's because of a lot of the office spaces there aren't inspiring they're not wow they're not necessarily a, a place where employees are, are rushing to go to um so we were always really confident that people would come back to the to the office and we we're always really confident that 
Shoreditch actually and Smithfields hold the answer to a lot of what occupiers are going to want. And then second to that, I think we were quite fortunate at the time because we deal a lot with a lot of stuff in the in further out in the fringes, in Hackneywick, in London Fields, in Dalston. Those areas were having their best months ever during the pandemic. We we uh, let ten different units in Hackneywick, which was more than we let prior to, pre to all of the pandemic. Um, so I think one of the the key drivers we saw at the time was people weren't rushing back to their offices but they did want to start having places near to where they live and actually all those outer fringes areas were serving that purpose sure okay <clears throat> uh, yeah i mean like landlords of offices all around the country are kind of realizing that you know that the offices need to be just more than walls and desks um you know you know some are starting to look more like hotels than offices um but yeah i mean i guess the fact that city fringe was already doing that uh, pre-pandemic did that give it an advantage when everything opened up and life returned to normal it, I, I think it gave uh the city fringe a massive head start mm. now at the end of the day, the key part of all buildings are, are the bones of the building. And it's very or much easier to make a space cool when the the bones of the building are just so impressive. And when you come into some of these warehouse buildings in and around Spitzfield, Shoreditch and the Fringe, the buildings are just of such quality that actually you need to do very little to them to make them super cool. Mm-hmm. And in fact, sometimes actually by doing too much of them you start going the wrong way uh, and really occupiers are attracted to the the rawness of them the heritage the character so we always say to landlords on these really cool warehouse buildings you don't want to do too much in fact all you want to really do is just push the character of the building sure okay i mean what do you think regional agents from around the, the country could learn from from studying the, the buildings in city fringe well, I, I think this needs to be the case study for where the market is going and how an office space should look. Now, as I spoke about, the, as you said, the days of occupiers wanting just four walls and desks just aren't there anymore. The the office is definitely a one. It's, it's not a need. And you need to now attract companies in by making the office space really cool in some ways having almost emerged between the office space and and the home and mm. i think that's what we're doing with a lot of office spaces we're dealing with and how we're advising clients is there should be a merge of the two that when you come into your office space it's got much more of a warm homely feel about it rather than just your clinical desk so we're taking spaces one step further now by actually dressing them to create much more of a, a warm atmosphere so all our advice to clients pre-pandemic was to just go and, you know, you should go and fit your space, right? To stand out from the crowd, you need to provide a fitted office space. But fast forward that to now, the pandemic has massively accelerated that trend. And actually what we're finding is nine out of 10 spaces are fitted. So if you're a tenant who's looking around a lot of these spaces, a lot of them, to be honest, Jim, they all look pretty similar. You know, you start looking at one fitted space, they all kind of fit out the same. So our, our main USP and how we're really uh, advising clients is you need to be the office space now that stands out from the crowd. You need to be that one in 10 that 
looks different that feels different so we're trying to take these spaces further by dressing them making them feel warm making them feel a bit more homely and that is everything from small details and, and that's really what our i think our agency probably prides itself on is understanding how key small details are to to really pushing the quality of a space and that's everything from uh planters from prints from desk lamps uh from now creating small little zoom rooms so just all these small touches that that really make a, a space stand out from a crowd good stuff okay um now looking kind of i thought as we emerged from the pandemic um how do activity levels in 2022 um compare to say a more normal time before before covid happened activity is is definitely on the way up it, it's, yeah. it's not a light switch it hasn't been a light switch and i think the the trend is, is still moving in the right direction more and more companies are now realizing that they need the office you know for for collaboration for employee culture it, it's so key so i think we are seeing a continuing trend of of people coming back but what is really clear is by people coming back what they want now to what they may have wanted before has has changed a lot and i think where we're seeing actually there's a real demand for a best in class space the value office market is having a really difficult time and all the kind of mm. run of the mill gray stock is is really challenging so i think demand is definitely there but demand is there now for employees want employers wanting absolute best in class space and i think an employer and what what we're finding with companies is they'd actually rather take half the space they need but have the best quality space mm. rather than taking a bigger space but not having it uh, a space that's inspiring to to their staff coming in Sure. Okay. Um, and what's the general mood among potential occupiers? I mean, I ask because, you know, the sort of wider economic outlook for the country as a whole isn't great. Um, but is there a sense that City Fringe can kind of escape that a little bit? I think so. I think so. Uh, the, the, the main reason being here is there's just not a huge amount of supply. Mm. So that supply or demand supply ratio is always more favorable in, in the fringe and I think it is in, in somewhere like the city core. Uh, and there's no doubt there's probably more challenge, challenging days ahead with the economy, but there will still always be a requirement for offices and, and people are gonna want best in class offices. And at the end of the day, that is what the, the city fringe provides. People don't want your run of the mill gray office anymore. People want something that is different, that is cool. Uh, and I think that is completely synonymous with what the City Fringe offers. Cool. OK. Um, do you also deal with the investment side of things? Um, and if so, kind of how much interest is out there at the moment and what sort of yields are you seeing for offices? We do. Yeah, we we do everything. So I suppose where we are, we're, we're a bit of a, a jack of all trades and almost area specialist. So we do everything from offices, retail, leisure, industrial and investment. Um, so a lot to get our, our heads around because there's a lot of small uh, sub-markets. I think the, the big thing we're finding in the investment market now is potential buyers want value. Mm. And I think the, the days of uh, buying things here in Smithfields and Shoreditch are at sub-5% 
aren't there anymore. I think we're we're really seeing that to attract good investor attention, it needs to be over five percent, mm. uh, and there needs to be a clear narrative as to what the story behind the sale is. Is it a case of asset management? Is it a case of of seeing growth? I think the the investor profile out there are taking much more of a cautious approach now and having a really keen eye on looking at rentals and actually looking at these buildings and saying, actually, is this rack rented? And if I buy it and a couple of tenants leave, am I going to get the same rent as I got two years ago or three years ago? And I think that's where investors are being really cautious. Um, we're about to bring out a, a couple of sales actually uh, in the next couple of months, and they're going to be very focused on asset management opportunities and, and where we feel there's a real chance to improve the rents. Uh, and I feel that's what buyers around here really, really want. Sure. Okay. Um, and now, I mean, last month eh, we saw the uh, much anticipated launch of Crossrail. Um, how much of an impact do you think that will have on City Fringe? I think massive, uh, especially connecting the the city fringe with the West End. Uh, I jumped on the Elizabeth line the other day and I think got to Tottenham Court Road in in seven eight minutes. Wow. Uh, and I think that that connection is is so key. Um, so it's really it's really going to boom. It's definitely going to be a help. It, it's uh, you know I actually think the line itself is is so impressive. Um, uh, and with Crossrail 2, actually, when it's going to feature areas such as Dalston, I think that's going to be a, a, an even bigger, uh, even bigger win for the the fringe because it will just really connect a lot of these city fringe locations up. Um, so yeah, re- really positive. Okay, um, and kind of on the subject of bold investments uh, in the area, and um, what's the what's the one thing you'd like to see implemented that would really help the city fringe market? And you know, imagine money's no object, and you've got a magic wand. For for me here, the the beauty of the fringe is the type of occupiers that you have in here. You know, your smoking goats, your your brats, a lot of the occupiers you have in in Truman Brewery. And I think those occupiers at the end of the day, they bring the footfall. You know, uh Box Park is a really good example, and Spitzfields Market. They're, they're such landmark locations that, that drive footfall. They make the City Fringe or, or Spitfires and Shoreditch in particular really cool locations. For me, the, the biggest challenge now is we need more of them and there needs to mm. ideally be more buildings, more developments. But it's really key that we the City Fringe retains its cool quirky creative nature and i think it's vital that uh it doesn't lose that so for me i love to just see more and more cool creative occupiers come into the area and i think that will uh help maintain the reason why people want to be here Mm, sure good stuff okay um and finally um not only have you rebranded this year but you've also signed up to radius um how are you finding using it and how useful is it to see how you're doing compared to your peers yeah i think that uh, as we're growing and evolving data is becoming increasingly key for us in all aspects of, of the business um so 
it is really key to see how we're we're measuring up to one a lot of the other agencies out there but also looking at a lot of the transactional data so we can stay ahead of of the market and i think that's so key with with what we do that people see us as a city fringe specialist and a voice on the ground and we want to be uh providing leading advice in in the fringe so we want to stay on top of the market trends i think by having all the the data that you guys provide us, it it just allows us to stay ahead of the curve, and and that's the absolute key for us. Good stuff. Okay, excellent. Well, on that happy note, I think we'll bring things to a close. Um, Ollie, thank you ever so much for your time. That's been really interesting. Cool. Pleasure. <laughs>